Hello and welcome to episode 211 of the Rollo and Slappy Show. I am Rollo McFlugel with my co-host Slappy Jones. Show notes page for this episode will be mcflugel.com slash 211, where you can find links to the things we talk about, as well as checking out our sponsor, libertymugs.com. This episode will be released on August 10th, 2020, which will be a celebration of a, of a nice little anniversary, that being the uh, 10-year anniversary that I bought my car. Yes, congratulations on that. Thank you, yes. Um, Car still running, still in good shape. Yes, yeah. the best car, the best car that uh, any of us know on Twitter. I clearly, I can't even think of a second. Nope, nope, not at all. So, uh, uh, yeah, I, I guess I ripped through that intro pretty quickly. Um, yeah, here we are. Usually, yeah, um, usually have way more to say, but uh, yeah, go check I out guess. Mugs. Uh, other than that, yeah, let's. Uh, oh, do we reveal our new logo yet? Oh no, I forgot. I was supposed to do that this weekend. I need to do that. Well, I'll get on that. Well, we're recording uh Sunday night, the previous night, so I'll have a little bit extra time tomorrow, hopefully. So Perfect. Hopefully I don't forget again. All right. So, so today's what? episode, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um so we had actually we had our uh our I don't know quarterly semi-annually staff meeting this week and we had a topic that we were discussing there that we thought would be good and then we took an a uh, somewhat quick audible in that this interesting story popped up uh of course another tragic story and a very uh infuriating slash sad story and it seems like the same song and dance, but this is about a guy named Ryan Whitaker out of Arizona um, who was murdered by the police. He, uh, we, we can go, there was just body cam footage released, and that's why it was out. Rallo um, sent it over to me. I watched it, and uh, we're just kind of going to walk through it and just have some thoughts on it and trying to be objective as possible as we, as we try to do. Um, one, one thing I want to say about this and one, the approach I want to have when we look at this is I want to take kind of a, a rigorous engineering approach to it. Um, I've talked about it many times before people who listen to this show know that, uh, I, I work in the petrochemical industries and engineer specifically doing, you know, reliability type stuff. And so my job entails managing risk. Um, managing risk of a lot of a uh, big equipment that if, it, if stuff goes wrong, uh, a whole lot of bad things can happen, uh, up to and including deaths of not just one or two people, but, um, sometimes, you know, maybe like a chunk of a city or something or, or a town, uh, if things really hit the fan. So the, the, how to manage, uh, life and death. Uh, situations or, or things that have the potential to cause massive harm to not only property, but also uh, people's lives is something that I do uh, for a living and something I take very, very seriously and I think can be uh, used to really solve any sort of problems. But uh, especially in a situation like this where um, someone died 
uh, and someone died when they shouldn't have. And I just want to say, kind of as a um, uh, before we really dig into this, w- one thing I want to say is that we have in our industry, and really, really should be any any sort of of working environment, is that all accidents are preventable. And I remember when I first heard that at work, I thought, nah, that's not true. Well, it should always be your attitude, at least. Right. I mean, it is but the reality, but it, it is it, it is the way you think and where you evaluate things. It is true. All accidents are preventable. Um, there's always something in, in any situation and look at your and we, we did this when we've talked about, you know, taking accountability in your own life and not making excuses. Anything that goes wrong, there was always something that someone probably missed or didn't do. Um, and it's not because they're bad, a bad person or stupid or a jerk or whatever. It's, it's, we all make mistakes, but you have to, when something goes wrong and an accident happens or mistakes are made, if you want to make sure they don't happen again, you need to go back and review it and figure out the things that went wrong, the things that you could have done to prevent something from happening. And there's probably something there. Now it may not be easy, may not be an easy solution. It may not have been something that you would have been expecting, but there, you know, I pretty much can guarantee that there was something, an intervention could have been made at some point uh, that would have prevented prevented this problem. And in my industry, we do a lot of uh, case studies across the industry. We just don't look at look at our own uh, plants and companies. Uh, we try to learn from other people's mistakes. And and there's all sorts of case studies. You can, you can look into this stuff, and there's always things that went wrong. Um, just look at the, uh, the, the explosion in Beirut that just mm-hmm. happened. Um, I guarantee you there are, you know, a multitude, the planets aligned, uh, in the worst possible way. And that's what led to that, that fire and explosion. It's not one, one thing happened, um, that caused all those problems There are many, many things that went wrong, many things that weren't caught. And all those things led to that event of a major explosion and, and big loss of life. Uh, and even though that this is dealing with, you know, a, a number of humans interacting with each other, uh, you know, the, the, the principles still remain the same. So there's certain things I might throw out little terms. The, the big one will be RCFA, root cause failure analysis. And that's a tool that we use that when something, we want to figure out why something happened, what the, what the actual, uh, root cause of something was that's it's an exercise that you do um, where you gather all the stakeholders together and um, just try to gather all the facts and and ask a bunch of questions mostly you're just asking why you know something happened why did that happen you answer it and you ask why and you ask why and you ask why and until the answer is because the sun rises in the east then uh you know, you, you can, you can keep asking why. And, um, if you do it correctly and it's really not that difficult of an exercise to do, um, you'll probably, you'd be amazed with, with how well it works to figuring, figuring it out. Now, the, the step after that is, is coming up with corrective actions, which, um, following through on them could, might be a difficult thing, but um, 
one of the things you have to do in a root cause assessment is gather all your stakeholders, like I said, and you really need to have everyone on the same page. You really need to, and it's difficult, um, even in, in an environment where, you know, we are all working for the same company and you all want a good outcome. It's human nature. We don't like to be blamed for stuff. We don't like to feel like we're being blamed for things. And so whenever I would run one of these investigations, I would give the boilerplate speech in the beginning and say, hey, we're not looking to assign blame. We're looking to find the cause. And so, you know, please don't feel like you're being attacked and do not attack anyone else. Uh, Because people, especially if it's something that happened in their department, people are going to kind of be hesitant to uh, take responsibility or yeah, or, or bring out information that might, that might make them look bad or something. Um, But the real important thing is, is to, is to say, you know, and and we all do this in our lives and in our jobs to say, Hey, look, what happened happened. We're going to assume that no one had bad intentions here and a, and a genuine mistake was made. So let's try to work this out so that we don't make the same mistake again. Um, and so bring it, tying it back into this, uh, Ryan Whitaker tragedy, if you want to, if you want to call it that, um, well, I do want to take, event. I mean, I think it's, yeah, I do want to take the stance that, um, or, or make the assumption that the police aren't bad guys here. Because if we say that the police are bad guys, just like if I'm at work and I say, oh, operations are stupid and lazy and they just didn't care about this. Well, you know, what does that do for me trying to find the root cause of the problem? It, it creates a, a, a major prejudice that's going to really steer the direction of the questions that I'm asking and how I'm going to investigate. So, um, you know, this is our little root cause here is, is not going to be a complete, it's not going to be, uh, perfect by any stretch and it's not going to be fully done, but, um, the exercise, yeah, yeah. The exercise requires that we don't assume bad intentions. Uh, and I think that's important. It's, it's cause I know I, I saw a lot of libertarians commenting on it and I do I know my initial response was, wow, these cops are, they just killed this guy and, uh, so yeah. bad, but, and it is bad. You know, that's, that's the big thing. It's, let's it's, talk the, about that. so yeah, like, let's start with the beginning, right? Um, when you first saw the video kind of explain it briefly and what did you think? Sure. So it's body cam. Yeah. First time you saw it. Body cam footage of two uh, two cops that show up in an apartment complex. They knock on the door, say police. Um, they kind of stand off on the side of the door. I think, I believe at least one of them trains his gun on the door. Guy opens the door without a shirt on, steps out. His hand looks like he's holding something that, you know, you don't have to look at it too much to know that it's a gun. Um, but he never, never raises the gun, kind of keeps it behind him. I think the police say drop the gun or they start shouting at him. Hands or something. Yeah. The guy immediately, uh, I believe he drops the gun and drops, drops to his knees, puts his hands up. And then the cop on his, I guess his left side, I think of the guy, his uh, open. Yeah. Yeah on Whitaker's left opens fire, open fires and shoots him. I think because he couldn't see what his, his right hand was holding the gun. I guess he couldn't see back there. And, uh, he decided that that was, 
reason enough. That's what I, I yeah, it was re, that was that was enough for him to open fire. Um, he's prone on the ground. You can hear yelling from the girlfriend. She comes out screaming, um, and then the cops kind of find out what was going on. It was a uh, a noise um, complaint, and she said, you know, asking her if they were fighting, and she says, no, we're playing a video game and making salsa. And so we might have been yelling a little bit just from excitement from the video game, but yeah, his daughter you know, graduated that day, and they were yeah, yeah. Um, um, yeah. When I first saw it, so when you sent you sent you sent it to me in a text, I wasn't on Twitter uh, that day, like I wasn't browsing around. So uh, I got it in a text. Was it was it yesterday when you sent it? I don't know. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. I don't know, but I I Could've got been, it. Yeah. I clicked it and I thought, oh no, here we go. Here's like, cause you know, what's coming. Um, but yeah. I wasn't sure like, you know, what was going to happen. And so you click it and you watch it. And when I first saw it, you see a door open, a guy walk out with a hand in the air and then he gets shot. And I'm like, wow, like that is shocking even to me uh, who, you know, like they didn't even, they didn't even do any, like they didn't even talk to him. It was just like open the door assassination. And then uh, as you continue to watch, they actually, the one you sent, they show the slow motion and you can see the gun in the guy's hand behind his back. And then my reaction was, all right, the guy did have a gun behind his back. Like, uh, you know, maybe they, (laughs) he never, he never meant to move it. I believe he did drop it or he was in the process of dropping it. Um, He had both hands in the air. <clears throat> with, right. with without holding a gun, I believe. I I don't think that's correct. No, I, I don't think so. Okay. Um, I think he did have it behind his back. But yeah. Well, uh, he did have it behind his back, but then he when he dropped to his knees, I think when he I think his hands were empty when he put both hands up. But that might have been. Okay. Well, this is so. This is just me talking off the top of my head of what I remember and seeing. So I might have seen it incorrectly, but this was what was going through my head. And right. I just turn it on right now. You see them shine a light in his eye. It is really hard to tell. So I just, I just watched it. It's real quick. They shine a light right in his face. He puts one hand up and has one hand behind his back. Now I'm showing it from the other officer's view. They're standing to the side of the door. The door opens, the light shines on right on his face. And this officer here can, can, I, they didn't even give him time to put his other hand in the air. I mean, okay. I'm watching the slow motion. He has the gun behind his back. Left hand goes up. He goes down to his knee, and now he's shot. I mean, it's that's hard to watch. Oh man, um, yeah, wow. He, holy, so ah, kind of speechless. Um, he did not have two hands in the air because he didn't even have time to get the other hand in the air. As soon as that cop saw a gun, he shot. The other cop didn't shoot any bullets at all. It was only one cop who did the shooting. Um, wow. Uh, yeah, so then the girlfriend... Um, all right, so anyway, I went... Um, man, that's like... It's really a shame. <laughs> I found an article about this that I was reading earlier today. And of course the cops did their line. They said their magic words. They said, I feared for my life. Um, interesting. 
there was the guy didn't do anything threatening. Uh, well, he, he did have a gun behind his back. Let's let's play devil's advocate. Um, they got a call that it was a possible domestic dispute. Or yeah, yeah, let's back sort up. of let's what happened. Well, yeah. let's talk about that because the article now you don't see this in the video, uh, but the article that I read that I, I can pull up again here um, talks about the 911 call. So there was a noise complaint the first time they called. I guess the cops didn't really arrive there or wasn't a priority or they weren't. And why should it be right? Um, so the guy calls again. And what he's saying to the 911 dispatcher is, uh, I think it might be getting physical or something, something along those lines, if, if I can uh, find the quote. And the dispatcher says, like, are you sure? And he says something like, whatever it takes to get someone here fast. Um, and then the officers, while they're walking to the door, are kind of joking about that, like, are you happy with all the information the guy gave us? And the other guy says, like, just keep saying yes to get them here quick. So they knew they knew as they were approaching that it was exaggerated. Well, I uh, let me let me play devil's advocate again here, because this is this again, um, when you're doing something like this, it's it's especially because I've I've had pro I've had situations where there is a failure that that happened because there were several lines of communication and, and I know cause I was involved. I was the first, I was the first person to communicate something that communicated to someone else who communicated to someone else who communicated to someone else in those three hops of communication, certain information didn't get expressed all the way to the end person who was delivering um, the material that we needed. And, because of that, we ended up getting the wrong thing. But and and then as the information was coming back of what they were sending, that same like critical communication that would have been that would have gotten um, picked up that something wasn't right uh, didn't come through. So it's it's very I know I know it like circumstantially it sounds like it did and and it and it very well might have. I also don't know the protocols for. Um, how the police, uh, how the dispatch communicates to the officers going to the thing. If they said, um, if, if they made a comment like, uh, Hey, this guy kind of sounded like he was just yes, yesing us to get someone out there. It could be a case where that's what happens all the time that people want someone to show up. And so they just like exaggerate it or make these certain claims and just, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and so that's what they were just talking about. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, sure. Uh, but if that makes it worse to me, because if that's what happens every time you go on a call, like that's even worse. Uh, so well, because it said like, like, this is what, according to this article, what, and this is saying it's from the video footage. Did you like all that helpful info we got from our complainant for Agmo? I think that's how you say that name for Agmo is heard telling cook as they walk to Whitaker's apartment. According to the footage, I'm just going to say yes to all the questions to get the officers here faster for Agmo says mocking the caller. Um, I mean, again, but, but, but remember this is, and, and again, I'm going to, I'm going to say this because this, this hits home for me and not trying to defend 
the police here or try to get him off on this, but I know from reading news articles about events that happen where I work, either the journal, the person writing it uh, has a bone to pick with us or they're just ignorant about the stuff that goes on and they get basic facts wrong. And so it could be, well, this is testable. It says it was, they're they're quoting from the video. It's not reported. It's not allegedly said it's not written in the police report. It's a quote from the video. So as they're walking to the apartment, apparently that was the conversation they were having according to this article. All right. But even still, but, but, but I'm going to say this too, the the more, the the greater point I was going to make is that, I don't know, and and this is important for this little point here. I don't know if they. I don't think that the cops ever. I I don't have uh, much experience calling the police, but I don't think that you talk to the cops that are responding. You talk to the dispatch when you call the police. You talk to the dispatch. The dispatch. I assume the dispatch talks to the cops. Right. So, but again, it's based on that. What just what we said. So like, let's take this. Let's take it as true that the dispatcher calls and says, hey, we got a noise complaint at whatever apartment at whatever, whatever street. Can you go check it out? And maybe the officer says, "Okay, can you give me some detail? No, the caller, you know, he kept yes to me. And then he said, whatever it takes to get you here. And they're literally joking about it on the way there. Yeah, I'm saying that we don't we can't assume that the dispatch said that. Because it might be a thing. It's probably a thing uh, in, in that's a reach. What's that? That's a reach to me because they were joking. Now, had it, they not been joking about it and they were taking this as like, we have a complaint. This guy could be armed. It could have gotten physical. If that was the conversation where they were like, dispatcher told us it could be physical. And then they released the dispatcher video where, or not video, but audio where, um, you know, it's clear that the guy's just yesing them. I wouldn't put that on the cops, but if they're talking about it that way, I think it's fair to assume they were told it's probably not a big deal. This guy I'm, has been yesing me and telling me to get you there as quick as possible. I, I know, and I'm, I'm not saying that that's not what happened. I just know from my own experience, obviously I'm not a cop and not in this, but but when stuff goes, I know it's like there's a pro operations tells us there's a problem. They report to maintenance. There's a problem. We're, you know, talking about it and, and sending guys out and figuring out what's going on. And we do the same thing where it's like, Oh, but they forgot to turn the valve. And it's not that anyone told us, but when stuff like ha- this happens all the time, that's what we say. And we, we do the same, like joking around saying like, Oh, I bet they did something stupid. So it's, I it's, I, I can't, I can't I'm just saying it's reasonable th- because, because that makes, because what happens when they answer the, how they react when they answer the door, um, because if they just assume that it's, oh, this guy's just kind of, or whoever calls is probably one of these guys that just complains and, and just wants us out here, as opposed to being told that this guy is making a complaint. Um, or even still, even if they did hear it from the dispatch and, and the dispatch told them what the, the caller was exactly like, they're probably expecting not anything that's a big deal, but it is still a domestic call they're getting. So there, there's a little bit of in the back of their minds that something could go down. So they see a guy walk out the door holding a gun. Um, that changes everything, and it's probably knocks them out of you know uh, 
whatever routine they were in and, and, and kind of kicks them into overdrive. I don't disagree there, but I am, I, I, I'm, I'm fine with you going through your little exercise or doing your analysis. I can't, I can't agree with you there that they probably are, or possibly, maybe it's possible they didn't know, but I'm not going to say probably not when they say this and they're joking about on the web. I will say, even if they were joking about it and didn't think it was a big deal, as soon as they saw a gun, obviously everything changed. I would. Right. Yeah. Like there I'm, I'm on board. As soon as they saw yeah. the gun, obviously they, they went, but yeah. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm being more of a stickler for that just because it's, it's like, I believe for other things that we can't put it, put it this way. I'll, I'll, I actually think I'm, I, I'm giving the cops more credit than you are in a sense, because I think the dispatcher, if the dispatcher believed it was a real call would probably go, uh, this is really serious. Get there. Like they're screaming, they're yelling. They said this, that, whatever. This is a serious call. My guess is the dispatcher goes, this is the second time the guy called. He said this, he said that. Can you just get over there and knock on the door? Just, you know, or whatever they said, because they're joking about it. Whereas if it's a serious call, a dispatcher, if a dispatcher believed it was a serious thing, I'm sure they're like, yo, heads up, bring some backup. This is, we got a hostage situation or whatever the case is a domestic where we heard broken glass and lots of cursing and whatever, like you got to get there and be prepared because a dispatcher isn't and I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't think would downplay a scenario that is serious. And if it was serious, maybe they say something like maybe if it was real serious, they, I could potentially see them joking, being like, I'll bet you it's not really serious, but they're still prepared for it. So I don't know. Well, this, this is a thing where it, it would be where obviously if we were doing this for real, we'd have someone from dispatch yeah, or exactly. someone who's an expert and, and say like, looking. Yeah, of course. What are, what are your protocols? How do you do this? Because it could be the case that they say that no matter what it is, we treat everything the same. Could be. Could be. And so, and again, it's so, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Could be. Anyway, regardless, I do agree with you that even if they thought it was not serious, even if they thought it was serious, as soon as they saw the gun, that changed the situation to them. Yeah. For sure. I mean, the guy just shot as soon as he saw a gun. And in a country where, and this is in Arizona, uh, but we have a Second Amendment. I know, I know you're already rolling your eyes, but. Like if I'm going to a, a house that I know the guy has guns or could have guns, you know, that's a possibility. Like, what's well, the same? I, I mean, this is or late at night. Like I, I was driving for um, Uber a while. This was a couple of years ago and someone left their cell phone in my car. And usually you get a note that, or like a notice or whatever that, uh, yeah, so-and-so reported a lost item. Can you check your car and find it? And then you arrange to give it back to them. That has happened before when I was driving. Well, this time the guy got like his Find My iPhone app on and knocked on my door at 3.30 in the morning really loud. And <laughs> that, let me tell you, like I have kids, I have a wife. I happened to be up because I was driving late and I was just on the couch. I was DVR boxing or something. I was watching it as I was falling asleep and that scared the hell out of me. And I answered that door very aggressively. And had that been a cop, I might be dead. Mm -hmm. um, because when you knock on someone's door late at night, 
especially aggressively, <laughs> that's a, it's a scary thing. And so if you're the one doing like that is uncut, like I can't, you have to know when that's your job and that's what you do. Like I would never knock aggressively at someone's door at three in the morning and not expect them to expect a fight. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't disagree with you. Yeah. So it's like, it's hard for me. I, I don't know. It's just like, this is what you guys do for a living. <laughs> like, and well, I'm that's, sure that's where I, going with their training. Cause they look, they stood to the side of the door. They got their positions. So, but what that does is when the guy looks out the people, and I'm sure the reason is because there was probably a case somewhere where the guy looked out the police or out, out the uh, peephole and saw a cop and fired a shotgun through the door and killed the cop. So now we're going to stand to the side of the door so they can't see us. Well, that just makes it even more dangerous. And I don't yeah, know. So that's just I, guessing. Yeah. Well, this, I think it's, I think we should take a step back. Um, if we're going to go through kind of the stepping through the root cause failure yeah. analysis and like the first thing you have to do is identify your problem statement. Um, you know, it's basically what went wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Well, so it's, it's uh, for this situation. Um, it's, you know, Ryan Whitaker was killed. Dead. Um, but more generally we could say that like, um, you know, what is the problem statement with the police in general? Right. Uh, and it's, they're not serving and they're not serving the community. They're like upholding the law. Yep. Um, so that tells you right there, the big problem. And we all know this already, but the police and the rest of the populace are not, uh, on the same page with what's going on. In gen like generally speaking. Yeah. Um, we so, don't have the same problem statement as the state. Yeah. Um, we, you know, if it were up to the market, the job of the police would be to uphold uh, the life and liberty of the people they were protecting. So it would be very obvious that any sort of death that happens um, outside of someone that is just an absolute aggressor and being uh, um, uh, lethally violent, killing him would probably, you know, obviously you don't want anyone dead, even, even bad guys necessarily, but if there is a problem that is someone being lethally violent, aggressively lethally violent, then, you know, neutralizing him would be would be a good outcome, uh, up to including killing him. So you could have a situation where, uh, you know, a death is a death happens and it is, you know, a good outcome. Yeah. Uh, but generally speaking, someone who's not an aggressor, someone who's not committing a crime, uh, it has to be the case that something goes, goes wrong. Um, so, and again, I'm already kind of mashing too many things up together, but, um, you know, we, we have to identify the kind of the stakeholders here too, uh, the people involved, people who might care about this stuff. So there's the civilians and the government. So obviously the, the government, it's the police. So there's the, the individual cops, the management of the police, uh, the dispatch, uh, courts and, and lawmakers and everything. And on the civilian side, there's the victim, Ryan Whitaker, and also the caller, um, 
so you know it's uh, each this is a very uh very complicated root cause analysis because there's um probably not just one root cause and i think as i as i identified each of those stakeholders or people involved you could probably already think of at least one thing that each of them probably did wrong um that had had a hand in this problem and that goes into the uh you know a lot of things have to go wrong for for something like this to happen um but going back to the problem statement you know we have ryan whitaker uh an innocent man was killed all right why was he killed he was shot by the police why was he shot by the police they got a uh he he pulled a gun. He had a gun. Why did he have a gun? Actually, there's why there's were the police couple, there? Yeah, there's two questions. This is you actually have to like map this out, and there's different things have different different answers. So I'm just kind of like going through this as a quick exercise, just to to try to get people's minds running on how this works. But but let's um oh, which man? Both of them are pretty uh, juicy juicy branches to go on. Yeah. Whether why was he holding a gun and why, why were they called? Gun? Why were they called? What's the history? Yeah, like, there's a lot. It's a difficult one. It, so like, let's put it this way: by the end of this episode, we're not going to be like, "There it is." It's just. <laughs> well, I mean, we do we do understand the ultimate. Yeah, ultimately, cause, yes, of and course. it's because it's socialism. I, yes. I mean, we could, we've we've between us and and you know many many others in our space have done some rigorous. Uh, you know, investigations of these things, and it's it's because and, the and customer so, ultimately isn't getting served. But um, I actually think that that's actually maybe I'll do this um, on the side over the next week or so if I have time, and just and just trying to draw draw this tree out, this root cause tree out to to kind of show it, and maybe it might actually. I said there are a lot of root causes. There's probably more correctly to say there's probably a lot more immediate causes. Um, but those immediate causes now I don't probably know, go to the same root cause. I was going to say I don't know your terminology or, or what you mean by yeah. root cause, but I I would think there is one root cause, and then there's plenty of other things that have happened along the way in this that you know decisions that were ultimately responsible, I guess. But there is one really strong root cause, uh, which you already mentioned being socialism, right. Uh, because if, uh, you know, there are a lot of things that happen. There are a lot of things that went ultimately one person pulled a trigger. Yeah. Well, the trigger pulling would be the immediate cause. Yeah. And that's, that's one of the things when you're doing one of these things, you have to make sure that you don't confuse the immediate cause with the root cause. Because there's like, re like, what? okay, well, why did he pull the trigger? Um, right. You know, why was he there? Right, right. But right, right. Let's. Yeah. Maybe maybe let's uh, talk about why uh, Whitaker had a gun. So I think that's an important thing to talk about. Sure. And I think it's going to deliver us to this kind of same root cause we were just kind of talking about. So you want to talk about um, what was happening kind of before... Uh, yeah, sure. So this is from that, uh, the article I was reading. Um, 
this happened, this took place on May 21st, May 21st of 2020. So a few months back in this article, it says, uh, yeah, Ryan Whitaker had heard a, a stranger knock on his, I'll got to read this town. I would, I would talk, I would apartment door in the middle of the night earlier in May. So when he heard a similar knock on a Thursday after 10 PM later that same week, he answered the door holding his nine millimeter gun. Um, there was also another knock he had laid at the door early, like earlier than that, um, that it talks about in this article somewhere where a neighbor was knocking on the door because she was having problems with her boyfriend or her husband. It was a domestic abuse and she needed help. Um, so he, he got these knocks recently and, you know, didn't know what was going on. So when he got another knock after 10 o'clock, and I don't know if you can see if there's a peephole on the door or not. I didn't notice it. Um, I don't know. You know, in the video, do you hear the police saying it's the police? Yeah, they do. Uh, but he had knocks before. Right. No, it's, I mean. I mean, I can anyone, knock on someone's door can and say police. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, especially if they're not standing in front of the door. And like I said, there's probably like if we had a police officer, you would probably say the reason we don't do that is because of this, this, this and this. And it makes you know, like, OK, I can see why you wouldn't do that. But it causes problems. Um, so he opens the door. He had the gun down. He didn't open the open the door with the gun pointed at anyone. Um, they shine a, a bright light right in his face. I'm sure we've all had that light shined in our face somewhere. Uh, you can't see it blinds you. Well, yeah, let's, let's, let's stop for a second here. I just want to make the comment that, cause there were a lot of people saying, well, he shouldn't have walked out with a gun. Well, I, <laughs> I'm not going to tell someone not to do that because you get a, a loud knock on the door late at night. It scares the hell out of you. Right. And you don't know what's behind the door. Yeah. Given, I mean, obviously, you know, hindsight's 2020, um, well, do you think if he knew that it was the police, do you think he would have walked out with a gun? I don't know. I, I can't answer that. Um, would you? No. So, I mean, that's that's and, and this is probably going to make people's heads spin and get angry or whatever or get frustrated or not like I'm going to say this. But this was like. It, if I, I don't want to call know- it. So I, I would say there was no way for him to know it was the police. Even if they said police, there's no way you know it is because he doesn't have a glass door. He couldn't see them. He couldn't see a uniformed officer. Uh, so there, there, it, it was impossible for him to know. I mean, I think it's impossible. Maybe he could have called 911 and said, do you have a police officer at my door? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, I'll 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 say this because again it's it's a it's a tough one but if if your aunt if you feel the need to carry a gun when you answer the door um should you be answering the door It's a good question Now, 
It's easy. Like, like you're, it's, it's, you're not in a good spot. Well, here, no, you're, I, like you, I you're, would say, you're, you're opening yourself, like you open the door, you know, you trying to pee, like everyone knows how a door opens. So if someone wanted to, you know, get you, I, I don't exactly know what the outside of this guy's apartment looked like, but if, if there's people out there that are trying to do you harm, uh, I would think they would be in a much better position. As soon as you position. open the door, if someone's going to harm you, you're vulnerable. Yes. So you can stand back and wait for them to bust through the door where you're in a better I, position? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, we have some tactical people maybe who listen who would I mean, would remember, know, uh, maybe remember Dirk that, has a better answer. Well, remember talking about the Amber Geiger thing? Uh, yeah. It was just like, why? if you thought someone was in your apartment that shouldn't have been there, why in the world are you like – opening the door and walking in yeah, if he's yeah, yeah. he could be in a much better fortified position yeah um and you're gonna get you're gonna get cooked um, now but again if we're going to you know give the police the benefit of the doubt these people are trained they go on these calls all the time you have someone who doesn't who's not on calls all the time who owns a gun and i think it is fair to make the argument that if you own a gun you should be knowledgeable and prepared and understand that when you hold that gun, you just change the situation. Um, sure. So you can put some blame there. Like and, and, if you're and, well, a gun I'll, owner, you better know how to use it and you better know when to use it and you better do it the right way. Sure. And he, you know, and we, and we mentioned this before, but to well, make sure that, people understand that we're acknowledging it wasn't like he's flashing and waving the gun and pointing no, the gun around. He, he had it, down, you know, he had it behind, down behind his back for, you know, there's no reason to Which, believe that he was an irresponsible gun owner in the sense that he right, doesn't right, know how right. to hold it. But, but like you said, when you introduce a gun into the equation, it, it changes it drastically, changes the situation drastically. And, and it's like what we talk about, on this, on uh, on other recent episodes, when it comes to violence and escalating violence, is that when you introduce that escalation factor, uh, you know, I'll speak generally here, but it puts the other person, even if the other person's in the wrong and an aggressor, when you escalate, it puts them it's in a situation escalation. where they feel like they have to defend themselves against your escalation. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I think. You know, there might be people saying, arguing, saying like the gun wasn't pointed, it wasn't drawn, he didn't. You sure. Know, uh, fair, but again, yeah, and and and, and, and here's obviously, obviously, let me. Obviously, we're not saying that like, oh, well, because he brought out a gun, he deserves, he deserves to die. It. Of course, no, of course not. not. But we're saying this is the reality of the world. Well, here's here's we what can't I think fight too, right? against human nature and 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 this stuff. Like if I'm walking into a tiger cage and the tiger attacks me, no one says, well, that tiger, you know, he's really a bad guy. Uh, Cause that's what tigers do potentially. Um, even if you walk through the tiger's cage every day and he doesn't one day, it's a wild animal and he snaps. And that's, I mean, when you said, if I knew it was the police, would I have a gun? The answer is no, because I know what they, are capable of doing yeah, exactly and i'm not gonna like walk across the tiger cage with a, a raw steak in my hand because it's not a good idea like you're asking i know I, I don't mean that um but you're putting yourself in 
real danger by having a gun when a cop is around. And, and we, we know can and, say, and, we can argue all day that it's okay, that there's a second amendment, that you have a right to defend yourself. Totally agree hundred percent, but this is the reality of our situation. Right. Because how many people do we see are dead because the police quote fear for their lives unquote. Yes. which so they you said in this case, by the way. Yeah. And so you can, you can be right and, you know, pat yourself on the back for it, but you're gonna be patting yourself on the back in a, in a cedar box. Yeah. Like, again, this is the reality of the world that we live in. It's not perfect. It's not this little theoretical game that everyone operates in, in these, you know, libertarian rule sets and with perfection, um, we're dealing with praxeology and human action and, and, and everything that comes with that. So it's, you, you principles are good and it helps us understand and, and make sense of things, but you, you know, your principles only get you so far when you're in, in, Life in the real that. world. Yeah. Again, not saying don't have principles, but no, we're talking uh, it's about a just, very specific situation. And this is something that could happen to any one of us. I mean, right. we know the Duncan Land story. We know a lot of people put things out there. And we know that the cops really, like, I am not a, a harmful person, in my opinion. I haven't hurt anyone. I know we talk about this stuff. I know someone could get it. I know someone could send someone to my house because we're anarchists. So you, even if it's a small chance that it ever happens, you should be prepared for it and understand what they're capable of. Right. I mean, that's the reality. It's like anything else. It's, you know, it's like what we were, you know, we were talking after last week, after the episode, and I was, we were talking about COVID stuff and wearing masks and everything. And I was, you know, frustrated about everything that's going on. And I, I made the comment, like, uh, if someone gets in my face, like, I want to like get right in their face and say, what are you going to do about it? Yeah. And you said, well, what if they put a camera on you and put you on social media and you know, now you lose your job. Uh, yeah. Would I have been right to, to push back? Yes. Would I have been happy that right. <laughs> with everything that went down? No. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, we know these things can happen and it's good to kind of run through them in your head and, and know how you would respond. So with, with, you know, COVID and the masks, someone giving you a hard time about not wearing a mask or something, it's, it's good to have a plan on what to do. And that yeah, plan is probably to just ignore them and walk away. If you're in a situation where things could escalate, which reality is could be not wearing a mask. Be prepared for when someone says something and understand right. how you're going to handle it and go through it in your mind and think of the results and what could happen, <laughs> you know, because if you're acting on instinct, it's probably not going to be a good outcome. Or if you're acting yeah, on you, or you outcome. could be totally right. Right. You could be totally justified be wrong, quote, wrong. And, and still have a very, very bad outcome. Right. So... So, um, yeah, we were go. We were talking about him having a gun answering the door. Um, I, so I, yeah, I mean that that's not like the egregious thing. It's it's something I think it's worth talking about. Yeah, 
I do. Yeah, um, I totally agree. But I think the other st- sticking on the uh, kind of jumping a little bit, um, going back to why were the police called? Yeah, uh, because someone called up. So, so we're already talking about it, but yeah, not that we need to remind our listeners, but please don't call the police um, unless it's absolutely necessary. My For thing is like, if you don't like the smell of weed and your neighbor's smoking weed, just knock on the door and politely tell them. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I think the only point, yeah, I mean, the noise complaint could be tough because if you do think it's a domestic and there's violence, yeah, I mean, it's it's a risk. It's it's you gotta assess the risk. And for me, yeah. it's like I think you're ju- you're probably justified in calling the police if you feel very strongly that you need muscle. Yeah, if there is a violent, dangerous situation, yeah, for sure, absolutely. I mean, who else can you call? Right. And that's a, and people say, "Whoa, the police might end up shooting you." It's like, yes, okay, they might, but there's probably a greater chance of whoever I'm calling the police on want to shoot me too. So, I'll take the risk of getting shot by the police uh, over the risk of getting shot by whoever I'm calling the police on. Superhero, right? Um, so yeah, this this neighbor called the police on him and and exaggerated the claim uh, that was going on or exaggerated what, what, what was, what was happening. Right. Um, so why we can ask, we can ask some whys here. Why, why did he call? Well, he was upset, but also why did he call? Because he doesn't have to pay for the call. Like, do you, how do you think this guy would have, would have dealt with this situation if the police were more like insurance? And every time you made a claim with your insurance company, your uh, your premium goes up a little bit because you're requiring action on their part. Mm-hmm. So, if we lived in, if we we had an environment where the police were privately, uh, um, privately provided, and there was a guy that just wanted to make calls for like noise complaints all the time. Well, as we see here, uh, noise complaints could potentially turn violent. Um, and so you're putting putting the uh, the officers at risk you're putting the people you're calling at risk so there's a lot of uh, a lot of expenses loss of life a lot of bad things can happen as a result of these false alarms so in a in a free market situation this guy would have really high premiums especially now we don't know how often he's calling in fairness right uh, this might have been the first time he's ever called the cops. I doubt it. He called twice, and and according to the article, kind of seemed like annoyed. Like, will you just get here? Hurry up! Like, it's almost like he comes across as the guy who probably called. But even him. even if it was just one time, he would know. He would. He would know. Right. Exactly. You're right. He would have to because it's it's it, and it's like it's you like you really want your premium to go up. <laughs> over yeah. There. It it would be like trying to make claims for your you know something you know you get a little ding on the side of your. Yeah, you get a little ding on the side of your on your fender. You don't like make an insurance claim on it. You either deal, live with it or you buy a little like dent repair kit. Yeah, and so pop it out. Pocket and do what you got to do. So if he actually had to, you know, had to had to pay money, um, or was penalized monetarily for making these these stupid calls, and he's probably much more likely to just be a better neighbor. 
And if there is a problem, go downstairs and knock on the door and say, hey, you know, could you keep it down? I'm, you know, I'm trying to sleep. It's, it wouldn't be the first time in the history of the world that happened. You know, yeah, like the, what, you know, it, I don't, it's this guy, the guy who called the cops is really, I, and I, again, like you're saying, it's hard to blame him because that's what we have. And this is what we live in. And if you don't, you know, I, I mean, it's like, well, then again, that's the root cause. It's, 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 he made a bad decision, but yes. the root cause of that decision is the socialized police. Yes, exactly. Exactly. That's what we have. That's why I'm saying like, like uh, this, like it's infuriating to think that you would live among someone who would do this to you. Um, but it's what we have. It's where we live. It's the way it is. It's hard to blame him. Like I have played video games. I, I don't anymore. I just, you know, whatever, but I've been loud, have my friends, we're playing Madden, whatever. You score a late touchdown, you scream, you yell. If you do it late at night and you live in an apartment building, it can be really annoying. It's hard to mistake that for fighting. Right. Yeah, I don't doubt it that this guy was... Uh... Be annoying. I'm sure he was annoyed. It was after 10 p.m. Like they said, I don't know what exact time it was. Maybe it says it in there. Uh, but it was late at night. And they're screaming. That could bother someone for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to call and say it's a violent or potentially physical when you know damn well it's not, uh, that's really hard to forgive. Yeah, it's real bad. I mean, it goes to show why you don't. Right. Like we talked about earlier, even if the dispatch knew the guy was just yesing the, the dispatcher and told and, and relayed that to the police. The caller still, still said it was physical. Yeah, I mean, could you imagine? I mean, can you imagine if if a caller made a call said there's physical violence and the police don't show up and then oh, they, yeah. uh, oh, yeah. you know, something bad happens to someone and, because and, the police never showed up? It, this podcast episode would be, uh, you know, us ripping the police. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, of course, and and that maybe like even though they didn't believe, because I think it's clear that they did not believe this was a serious call when they showed up, but they were told it was a physical altercation. So that's when you go into the, uh, our training manual says when it's physical, we knock with guns drawn on the side of the door. And so that's why they did it because they were told it was physical. So this is how we handle that. And then when you see the gun, that's when it got deadly. So I think the caller, man, I hope, Oh, I don't know, man. That's, that's the more you think about it when a, when a caller and I think, I, I don't know about you and maybe this is obviously an assumption, but playing video games and being loud can be very annoying, but I don't think you would mistake that as physical violence. No. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, it's so probably not straight up lie to get which he basically, according to the quotes kind of said, whatever it takes to get you here fast. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. but what that does is tra- change the tiger's mode to, all right, well, now it's not just a tree over there. It's a, it's a piece of meat, you know, uh, they mm-hmm. go into their training manual and do what they're told. Yep. And so, yeah, I think a huge responsibility while we're looking at these causes is on the caller, maybe as much as 
the cop, although ultimately he's the one who pulled the trigger. Yeah, but I mean, it's uh, it's like when we talk about the the right. troops. Should he have known, like by saying it was physical, that that was going to happen? He, if he, I'm sure. I like to think if he had any idea the guy downstairs was going to be killed, he would not have said that. Right. Or if he knew that that would escalate it to like a guns drawn knock at the door. Which I'm assuming is the case, because I think if it was just a noise complaint, because I've been at parties in college when the cops knock at the door, they don't knock with their guns drawn. They knock on the door and say, guys, keep it down. Right. I've been at, that's has happened even as an adult. You're at a mm-hmm. party, we're at a family party. We got a noise complaint. The cop knocks at the door, politely asks to keep it down. Uh, so maybe that maybe that's the case. I don't know it to be the case, not being that I'm not a cop. Uh, well, that's, that was kind of my reaction after I thought about it a little bit too. It's like, well, what, what, in what world do cops answer noise complaints, a simple noise complaint with guns drawn? So there's probably something else that's right. like you said, that there was, it was, it was escalated to like a domestic violence thing that was active and, and could spill over to them. I don't, I don't know enough of I don't, know, I don't know if the protocols are all. Yeah, this is just me guessing. Right. Um, I don't know if you want to keep talking about this no. situation because there's, there's something else I want to bring up because it's it's something about um, it's called the hierarchy hierarchy of controls, and uh, it's something that we do to try to ident- when we identify hazards, uh, what we do to try to eliminate them. Um. The, uh, it's, it's, it goes in like stages and, and the lowest thing you can do is kind of protect the person from it. Um, and then, it, so I'll just go through them. The first one is PPE, personal protective equipment. That's obvious in, in my world, that's like hard hat, gloves, steel toe shoes, maybe, maybe Nomex coveralls for the cops. It would be, you know, a gun, bulletproof vest, other stuff. Then there's... That's the least effective thing because that's the hazards coming at you and it's basically just like blocking the hazard, really. Yeah. Like the bulletproof vest is blocking a bullet coming at you. Uh, administrative controls uh, would be stuff like training, um, certain protocols and, and that sort of stuff. So um, it's good like, um, but and better than uh, better than PPE because maybe you, that's a way to you know not get yourself in that situation to begin with. Then there's engineering controls. Uh, so an example would be, uh, and, and this is another thing when there when there's problem like let's say you're at a, a at a at a plant and there's a pump, and people keep getting their hand caught in the pump, the rotating parts of the pump, and they keep getting hurt there. Um, you could. You could sit there and say like, well, we should give them like armor to wear on their hands so they can't get their hands caught. And it, well, that's kind of stupid and impractical. Uh, you could say we could train them not to stick their hands in pumps, but okay, but they're still getting their hands caught in pumps. The better thing would be to uh, install a pump guard. And that creates a, a, a physical barrier between the pump and the dangerous oh, parts. It can't, yeah that you can't uh, get your hand in there. Um, and maybe it doesn't work because the pump guard gets corroded or something or is flimsy or falls apart. Well, then you got to better design a better one. Um, that's an engineering control. 
uh, substitution would uh, replace the hazard. So maybe if it's a real, real bad problem with that pump, you figure pumps a bad example because, uh, or maybe you change the kind of pump that you use. Um, so that there's fewer, um, fewer, uh, rotating parts that, that are, uh, that can cause damage to a person. Um, and then finally, uh, elimination, um, getting rid of the really, uh, pumps, a pumps a really bad example for going through that kind of stuff, but elimination, maybe, maybe there's a head knocker somewhere okay. and, uh, you just remove it. You, uh, you rerun, there's a low pipe that people bang their head into, um, so what you do is you reroute the pipe so it, it, uh, you can't hit your head on it anymore. It's too high for a person to hit their head. Um, so these are the kind of things that when you're, when you're looking at these, um, looking at cases like this and everyone always just says, not everyone, but a lot of people, you hear them say, well, just train them better, just train them better, better training, better training. Okay. I was going to get to that. Actually, that was something I wrote down to talk to, but continue. Because, because there's five levels of effectiveness and training is fourth out of five on that. So that's just clearly not a good, just on the face of it. I mean, sometimes training is the best thing to do for certain things, but I mean, that's just, just by looking at this, this chart, this figure, you should be like, Oh, maybe there's, Maybe we need to look at other stuff. Um, also, because the training that they've been doing hasn't been working. Well, that's that's where I wanted to go with it. Is like because you're doing this analysis. You you know this is in engineering. This happens at every chemical plant everywhere, all over the country. I'm sure where they look at every and it happens in every business at some level, especially anything that's dangerous. Right. So obviously the police have someone going through all the time. They probably have national organizations, local organizations looking at every time something goes wrong and how could it have been better? And this is what we're going to do in the future to prevent that. Um, I know they do that. They would be crazy not to. That's why we have the same set standard of rules all over the country. I feared for my life. I shot them because they go through these things and they say, okay, well, if you, and the courts decide and, you know, if you fear for your life, it's okay to shoot. And most people would agree with that. If you're really in fear for your life, you can defend yourself. Um, of course, it gets used, I think, a little more liberally than they actually fear for their life. Uh, but if you're, if, and I don't know this to be the case, this is just me throwing it out there and seeing what you think of it. If you're looking at this situation, as we talked about earlier, from how do we best protect the community and serve the public versus how do we do our job and get home safe? And what's the best way for us to do our job and get home safe? Well, maybe that's not a mis I mean, this is not what I think that they think. But if you look at this situation, they went, they served the warrant, not warrant, knocked, and the guy had a gun. We did what we had to do. We did what we were trained to do. We, we were ready to do it because this is how we were trained. So it's like, you know, if the um, if the problem was that, uh, what am I trying to say? I don't know if you know where I'm going. Basically, if the mentality was how do we serve the public, you get a different conclusion than how do we do what we got to do and get home. Right. And so, like, 
even if the police did the same type of analysis you're doing, they probably don't come to the same conclusions as us. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I was just, and that's why in the beginning, I, I tried to make the point that we don't have the same problem statement. Right. Exactly. Exactly. They're solving. They're so, trying to solve a different problem than we are. Right. 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 Um, another thing I want to bring, another interesting chart is the safety pyramid. And what it is, is that it shows uh, it's, it's obviously a pyramid and the bottom piece is uh is unsafe acts the next one on next like layer on top of that are near miss incidents on top of that are first aid injuries which a first aid injury is kind of just like a minor minor thing like yeah the block on top of that is a recordable injury which is something it's it's that's a term recordable injury is is an uh osha term but just means a a more serious injury uh normally comes with uh uh, loss of uh, work time. And then the last thing, the very top of the pyramid is a fatality. So the idea of this safety pyramid is the more that you have um, each of these things going on, then the more likely you are to have the next thing happen. So if, um, and it turns out uh, that it's about, it's like a logarithmic thing kind of that, um, if you if your place has a fatality, then you probably had around like ten recordable injuries before that associated with this problem, and then a hundred first aid injuries, a thousand near misses, and like ten thousand uh, unsafe acts. Um, so it's really if when you're when you're looking at something, um, if you're noticing that's why that's why in in you know these industries we we look at near misses and stuff and injuries and take them very seriously because we know if we're getting a lot of near misses with something then just the likelihood that it's going to be a little worse next time when someone's get hurt a little bit mm-hmm. uh, we really want to nip that in the bud so that's why we talk about the police all the time where it's just like well the war on drugs is a great example of of unsafe an unsafe act because they're engaging with people that they really shouldn't have to where they're likely to be put in a precarious situation. Right. And a near miss would be that the guy, you know, has some drugs and tries to get away and, you know, maybe flashes a gun or something. Um, so it, it may, like we see, like, are you starting to see the pyramid get built for the drug war? And why there's so many deaths associated with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I bring this stuff like it, it's so it's funny because these principles work. We wouldn't be using them in my uh, in my industry if if they didn't, because, you know, we're, we're profit driven. We're you know, we can use statistics and we and we need to we need to see these results. Um, so. There are ways people people act like there are no like good ways to solve this stuff and oh it's just it's people problems whatever but but every every job out there being a police officer is really fundamentally no different than any other um well no I mean yeah I know it 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 operates on the same principles right. uh, of humans like interacting with with each other and things that could go wrong so all this stuff that I do in my job with, you know, root cause analysis, um, failure modes and effects analysis, process, process hazard assessments, the safety pyramid, 
the hierarchy of controls, all of this stuff can be and should be applied to the, uh, you know, policing. And you know what? Like you said, they might very well be doing this stuff, but they're solving the wrong, wrong problem. Right. And so that's why they're never, it's never going to work well. Um, it, it's, and that's the frustrating part. And so that's why, like, we'll never be able to, like, I, we do all this stuff and we, and I, I'll make the claim that I could, prove I could show everyone what this root cause was and I can get everyone in the room participating in this to agree with what that cause is if if they did it with an open mind but you're can you imagine trying to, to you know you sit down with you got some civilians and you sit down with the police and you say the problem statement and they're just going to not even be remotely close to the same page right so Again, that leads us to say, well, the problem, you know, now you have to do another root cause assessment and say, well, why are we not on the same page? And I think that will also lead you to, it's yeah. because we have socialized police. Right. And then you could do the other, um, you, you could ask, well, why do we have socialized police? And it's because not everyone is using a tractor. Mm. Um, the other root cause would be that we have an easy money system yeah, and, and we have such, such problems with that. So, um, you know, these problems are very solvable if people decided to, um, you know, kind of take an honest approach, but you have to be working towards the same goal. And like I said, in the beginning, when I would, when I manage these, these exercises, the first thing I do is give the speech and say, hey, we're all on the same team here. We're all working together. We all want to solve the same problem. So let's act like it. Well, we, we know that the government's not on the same team, not trying to solve the same problems as we are. Right. And so until we deal with that, um, you know, especially with like the George Floyd stuff and everything, people are, you know, hopeful that there's going to be some good police reform and maybe they might accidentally stumble upon some good stuff, but the problem's never going to get fixed until we address that root cause of using socialism. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's why I, you know, I hear people talk about police reform and I, and obviously I'll accept Look, steps in the right direction. Exactly. That's where I, I was going to say right there. Yeah. But but you're not going to get me to be like, oh wow, I'm really excited about this because it's it, it doesn't get to the fail. It's all symptoms. Yeah. symptom treating. Yep, exactly. So thank you for indulging me in my uh, nerding out over <laughs> over what I do at work. Yeah, no, it's good. It's good, and it's good to think through things that way, and it's good to try to take a look at it from all sides. I yeah. think I think it's helpful. It's certainly helpful to me. So hopefully our listeners think so too. Yeah. And obviously we didn't like, you know, run through this to completion or cover all the bases. We talked, I guess we talked a lot about the cops in the beginning, but, yeah. but it's important that if, if you, even, even in our own little world, um, even if we're not trying to talk about, um, you know, knowing that we're not going to be able to sit down at the table and talk to the police or the government or anything, but just to be able to, to understand what's if that there is a police officer listening or, you know, someone who would be interested, we would be, I would be, I don't know about you. I'm throwing you out this more than happy to have them on here to talk anonymously and walk us through what, how they saw the situation. Mm -hmm. Sure. Uh, 
because I, I think, you know, like, like we said, we're, you're, you're looking at this as an engineer. I'm looking at this as a podcast co-host trying to be as fair as possible. Uh, right. But I'm not a cop and I didn't answer the door with a gun. I don't know what was going through his head. You know, like there's a lot going on that we can't answer. So we can only look at the evidence we have in common. Yeah. We're trying just to say like what went wrong. Right. And a lot of stuff went wrong. And I think and I if think, you, I think, I think even a police officer could like listen to this and probably be like, yeah, no, that did go wrong. I think we were fair in that regard. Yeah. And any one of those things that went wrong, if, if any one of those things didn't go wrong, this probably not everything happen. has to go right. Yeah. It doesn't happen. Like, if this guy doesn't just says, these people are annoying me. Can you hurry up and get someone? And then the cop knocks on the door and says, Hey, can you keep it down? We got a noise complaint. And then it's over and we don't know about it. Or if he doesn't answer the door with a gun or, you know, there's a lot of things. There's a lot of things. And of course, ultimately the guy doesn't pull the trigger. And uh, so, yeah, yeah. I think like you're saying, there's a lot of things that went wrong that if one of them didn't happen, this situation probably doesn't happen. Right. So uh, I'll, I'll try to remember to post those, uh, those little charts because I think they're helpful and useful to see. Um, yeah. And not everyone might be, to, you know, um, I Googled them. So I was able to like, you know, look at them as I'm talking about them, but they are interesting. And the other thing is I'll try to, it shouldn't take that long to just do a, or like a very rudimentary, probably do a five whys or something, which is just asking the question why you have your problem statement and ask why. And it's called five whys because you're normally able to get a pretty good idea of what the root cause is after five why after asked after asking why five times for one for one chain and there's all sorts of other uh other things that you could do for root cause assessments but that's kind of the simplest um it's the best bang for your buck um, even though this one's kind of complicated i think it's it's not difficult per se to go through so um maybe i'll sketch that out early this week and post it somewhere. Yeah. Be interesting. Yep. So, uh, I don't know if you had a free market success story, but, uh, I was just, yeah. I was just going to claim that the, uh, the great private industry developing all these, uh, all these great tools are a free market success story. We didn't need, uh, we didn't need people, uh, a government telling us what to do and saying, uh, Oh, you need to develop all this stuff in order to, to run, run more safely. There's a, a, a massive profit incentive to, to figure all this stuff out as to, to be able to maximize profit because, you know, in, in a chemical plant or refinery or, or any sort of, uh, production environment like this or any business, um, equipment getting damaged or getting destroyed, having it fail, um, having your employees get hurt or killed is, is all very bad for business. And it's extremely expensive. You're replacing uh, equipment. You've got downtime, so you're not producing. Uh, you're replacing people, and not only is is you know that expensive in the sense that you you might be paying the medical bills or might be paying Training. paying claims. Yeah, and and just the emotional toll of that stuff uh, because it doesn't feel good. I uh, you know, knock on wood, and uh, I pray to God that. 
um, I never have to deal with a, a fatality at work and I never have, but I've been involved where, you know, some, some serious injuries have happened and it, it, it doesn't feel good. Uh, so that's the other weird thing about how, how the police have their coping mechanisms. If uh, I'll be generous and call it that, or they're just the, the reactions of when this stuff kind of goes down. It's really, yeah. I mean, the, can, the, it can be disgusting at sometimes. I know. And just another point to add, like after they shot the guy and he's on the ground, they didn't, and I don't know, like, but they didn't, like see if he's okay well that would be like the normal response from someone is if you shot someone especially someone that you you realize immediately that you shouldn't have shot them first thing you would do would be to like panic call the ambulance and say like hey someone's shot here i need he needs help um or does the police are trained in they should, if they're, I mean, you would think they. No, are. they are. They absolutely are trained in like first aid and CPR. Um, they've got guns, so they know how to deal with you know gunshot wounds. Um, it's kind of sad and dehumanizing. And and you see that all the time. In every single, I I don't. I'm I, I'm sure there's videos out there where they help, but it, not many. Yeah. And who knows, maybe they have this little button that they press that calls an ambulance. Um, that could be the case too. And I doubt it. To not go near the guy. But I mean, as a human, if you see a guy hurt and you're capable of helping, he's obviously not a threat at that point. And, and he actually did make a somewhat sarcastic snide remark to the girlfriend who wanted to see if he's okay. And the quote was something like, I don't think he's okay or something. I think you can see he's not okay. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I didn't hear how he said it. That could be... It could have been very compassionate. Uh, yeah, because it's like, how do you... Like, he probably knew that not okay. Yeah, he's no, dead. He's, I'll, he's I'll, either I'll, dead or just I'll about concede, dead. I'll concede that one for sure. Yeah. We don't know the tone. We don't know how he said it. Um, I don't know how I would tell someone, especially I, knowing it was like... You like, know. You know, like, maybe they knew he was dead instantly. And it's like... You know, I don't know. Yeah, it's uh, it's on, it's it's an awful situation. Although um, he did say, "I'm leaning towards the fact that he's not." Yeah, I mean, at that point, it, it I think a little bit of time had passed. Yeah. So yeah. it was I just. Yeah, it's not good. It's not it's good, not, and that that's why. Yeah. You know, obviously, we're not. You know, no one's. You know, we're not going to have all all police officers listen to this episode. Like, whoa, wow, this is how we're going to we we can actually fix this. But um, I'm just trying to get people in the right mindset to just make the right arguments and and have that little bit of uh, um, push in the right direction towards this stuff. Because if we uh, if we just sit there and say that uh, the police are evil, police are bad, and that's why these people are dying, then we're never going to solve the problems because that is not the reason why people are dying at the hands of cops. I don't, most cops don't wake up in the morning saying how, how I can't wait to shoot someone today. Um, yeah, they're putting, all of them. They're, they're putting bad situations. Um, a lot of them, it's, it's a job that no human should, should be able to, can, can do. 
it's an impossible thing. So, um, and then they, and then they draw in the worst possible people often, uh, to do this job. So what do you expect? I mean, the outcome is exactly what you should expect. It's going to be. So if we just sit there and blame the cops and say, well, we just need better cops in there. Okay. Well, going to be repeating yourself over and over and over again, because I say, I mean, if I was a cop, I wouldn't be able to do the job. Like I not, I wouldn't be able to do it. You know, like you could probably let a few things go here and there. And like overall, if you look at all the cops, yeah, he's a good cop. He let this go, but you're going to be in situations that are impossible. Yeah. And that's, that's at the end. At the end of the day, I want cops treated the same way as I would be treated. Yeah. So how I would be, how I would be looked at, how I would be held accountable in a, in a court of law. Um, the cops should, it should be the same thing. Cops don't have their badge does not give them super power, magical powers or superpowers. Um, you know what they did here. Um, you know, it, it should be, obviously I think that some of the context should be taken into account of what we were just talking about, how they're putting bad, you know, bad positions and everything, but, and that, that would lead to an actual like root cause and, and investigate what, well, why is this keep happening? And of course, government courts trying to solve their own problems when they don't have to, because they have a captive audience to get paid. So it's never going to happen. But if we had a, uh, you know, a healthy system doing this, that's, that's what would happen. Um, that, yeah, co- you know, cop that, made a bad decision and, you know, ultimately pulled the trigger and, uh, caused this guy to die. He would have to face probably not great consequences here. Um, but it would, it would lead to further investigations and figuring out, okay, well, why, why are we having these cops do this? There's something, something isn't right. Uh, but there's no incentive for the state to ever do that kind of thing. And so that's why it's going to keep happening until that problem is solved. Yeah. It's always socialism. This is the problem. But fortunately, Bitcoin fixes this. So I think we will have... Uh, Stack those sites. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, Bitcoin's going to uh, appreciate and value so much and cause the dollar to deteriorate in value so much and that... No one's going to get want to pay going to want to get paid in dollars anymore. So the government's going to keep trying to use dollars. They're going to hold on their fiat as long as possible, and they're going to they're going to lose people to who's going to get want to get paid in dollars and you get paid in Bitcoin. Not me. So I'm bullish on the future despite uh, the troubles that we see right now. So Over all right, I think we for the last time. Or yeah. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, we're about an hour twenty and change into this, so I guess we can wrap it up. I thought this was a a pretty good discussion. I hope that uh, I hope it. You know, if you never thought about thinking things th- through this way, I hope that we kind of opened your opened your mind, your eyes a little bit, and and see this approach, and maybe it helps you think through this stuff, and and maybe even have a better uh, or a more convincing argument when you're talking to other people. So. Um, if you have any questions about this or, or, uh, you know, want to, want me to dive into this stuff a little bit deeper, um, you know, hit me up. 
I'd be I'd be happy to talk about this stuff because I think it's it's actually one of the more fascinating parts of my job is doing all this uh, uh, risk assessment and root cause stuff uh, because it's it's a it's a wonderful tool because when you when you do it right um, it just the answer just kind of like falls out of the sky into your lap. So, so yeah. Uh, show notes page will be mcflugel.com slash two one one. Make sure that you uh, subscribe to us wherever you listen to your podcast. We would love it if you leave a leave a review and uh, share this out with some uh, with friends and family, anyone who you think uh, would enjoy this. That's the that's the best way you can support us. And if you want to support us monetarily, head on over to LibertyMugs.com and, and buy a mug or two. Uh, someone tried to uh, buy stuff with Bitcoin, and uh, the BTC Pay server instance that we have is is uh, un- I'll say it's under maintenance at this point. I gotta I gotta do some some new stuff. I'm gonna actually upgrade upgrade that stuff. I've been having problems with it, but, uh, I think I found a good solution. I just need to find the time to, uh, sit down and, and chug away at it. It's been a busy summer despite everything being closed. Yeah. <laughs> so, yep, yep, yep. All righty. Um, and also I got to remember to get that new logo up, which is pretty yeah. awesome. So cool. All right. Thanks for listening and we will catch you next week. Peace.